IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest IB Talk podcast. I'm Paul Lucas, IB's managing editor, and it's long been said, hasn't it, that insurance has a diversity problem. On November 18th, in fact, we'll be holding our Women in Insurance London event, albeit virtually this year, to help address that very issue, that there are not enough women at the top of the industry and that there appears to be something of a glass ceiling. Imagine then what it's like to be a woman in construction, surely an even more male-dominated industry. Then again, imagine being a woman in construction and insurance. Uh, Well, that's what we have today, ladies and gentlemen, and not only a woman in that sector, but one who has reached the very top. She is the head of global contractor development at Marsh JLT Specialty, uh, Kelly Outram. Kelly, welcome to IB Talk. Hi, Paul. Thanks. I'm uh, very delighted to to join today, and um, that was a a pretty pretty nice intro, so... So thanks. I, I feel uh, I feel very honoured, especially given some of the uh, previous guests you've had in your lineup. So hopefully this will be an interesting insight for some of your listeners. Yeah, well, I'm sure you will surpass expectations. Um, but <laughs> but obviously I, I I talked about you know you're in an unusual unusual position right now. But even perhaps more unusual is how you ended up in in the insurance industry because you've studied classics at university. Is that right? I did indeed. Um, I, I think unlike a lot of other people um, in the industry, I actively chose insurance uh, as, a, as an area that I wanted to work in. I, I knew at a, a very young age that I, I wanted to work in the city. Um, a lot of people I speak to in the insurance sector seem to have either fell into insurance or knew of people who worked in insurance, but I, I deliberately didn't fall into it, and um, I certainly didn't have any family members that were working in insurance. So when I finished my uh, classics degree, I, I decided that um, it was an industry that I, I actively wanted to be part of. Why, though? What was what was the reason behind that decision? Well, I mean, you know, multifaceted had finished university like a lot of people then I, I did a gap year in Australia and whilst I was there actually bizarrely I met some people who who actually worked in the insurance sector back in the UK and I actually really sound like the sound of it you know it's um you know it, it seemed like at the time a very sociable and interactive environment and and that really uh, appealed to me um you know when I was looking at jobs you know, leaving university and looking at graduate opportunities at the time, um, you know, a, a lot of people in in you know my you know degree line entered the legal field or, or went into kind of banking, um, but I knew that those areas really weren't for me. So I, I kind of started applying for insurance jobs and graduate jobs post nine eleven, and, and at that time the insurance industry as a as a general entity was was quite interesting and and topical. I think I, I recall at the time I had visions of being a terrorism broker, which I at the time thought sounded pretty cool, and I imagined myself wandering around Lloyd. So I, I applied to these various graduate schemes across the market and eventually um, joined the, the JLT program. But as you say, um, you know, little did I know at the time that I'd be placed in, in the construction division um, where really my background was, you know, classics and ancient history. So the, the nearest I'd got up until that point to a construction site was was looking at ancient buildings as opposed to looking at um, 
you know, how buildings were built and, and being with clients wearing my high-vis vest and hard hat, that, that was really very far from how I imagined myself joining the insurance world. But, you know, Paul, I, I absolutely love it and, and loved it then and, and still do. But you said you were you were placed into construction as opposed to choosing it. Is that right? Yes. At the time, our, our graduate program, you know, often graduate programs move people around. But at the time, our graduate program, you know, put us into a certain part of, of the business, um, which I, I personally, you know, really endorse because I think, you know, you get embedded into the business more long term and, you know, you, you get brought into you know, more you know, challenging projects but I, I didn't know that I'd be put into the construction division which which within JLT at that time was a very successful uh, specialty division and, and you know has always continued to be a very sex- successful division um, but it, it was really by pure pure chance and I guess you know fast forward now 17 years later I've, I've never moved out of the sector and have totally embraced construction um, and so I guess I, I'm always very grateful to my boss at the time for whatever the reason was bringing me into the team and I've never really looked back but it was I guess pure serendipity. So what's kept you in it then for 17 years? What sort of aspects of it do you do you find the most interesting? I think the thing about construction um, and, and more specifically construction insurance is that no project is is ever the same and and for me that really means that no day is ever the same I, I love how varied it is you know my construction clients have all been very varied either working in different construction related streams you know one might be building a tunnel the other a high-rise building so all projects are completely different and for me personally I I really thrive on on that variety and I think as an industry, um, you know, it is very dynamic. I, mean, I know I'm, I'm biased, um, having only really uh, worked within construction itself, but to my mind, who doesn't want to work on some of the most iconic landmark infrastructure projects in the world, you know, that are, you know whether that be building new sporting venues, um, you know, mega infrastructure projects, or now that I'm a, a mother, you know, working on some major theme parks or or events that my children know and recognize. You know, these are the things that make me feel very proud about construction, even if that is to a, a four-year-old. Yeah, do you think it's something that maybe the sector needs to emphasize a little bit more, that you know, such diversity involved in this role? Like you said, you're working on theme parks, maybe you're working on sports stadiums and so on. Maybe putting across these things to, to young people would, would bring more in. Absolutely. I mean, construction itself is, is constantly evolving. You know, when I look at contractors and infrastructure clients all over the world, you know, there are new technologies that they're using. We have BIM modeling, we've got AI, we've got robotics, we've got wearables. You know, there's so much innovation in the industry, which is really exciting. So when I think about young people entering into the sector, I mean, it doesn't get more exciting. You know, it's, it, it, there is so much happening and the pace of change is so fast um, you know it's a very dynamic environment to be part of and and you've made sort of a, a rapid rise as well because you became um, director of uh, head of construction at JLT Asia in, in 2012 um, what was it like moving I guess to, to Hong Kong at the time 
Well, at the time, it was a it was a, a huge leap of faith. Um, as you know, I'd, I'd spent the first five years of my career um, within our London office, uh, where I was specialising on, on big PFI deals. Uh, and then this opportunity presented itself to, to go and work within Asia, and specifically within our Hong Kong office. And um, looking back now, you know, I was incredibly nervous at the time, and it seems taking me a very long time to decide going as some of my mentors uh, find very amusing many years later. But, you know, I was 28 at the time. I was leaving a comfort zone in London. You know, I knew the London market very well. I had all of my relationships here. Um, and essentially, I was moving to a country on my own where I didn't know a single person. So it was really my first career lesson in terms of being bold and and making sure that I, I had no regrets, because I always knew at the back of my mind, if I didn't embrace that opportunity, I would always regret it. Um, so, so you know, it was the right, it was absolutely the right move, but, you know, it was, it was certainly a bold move for me at the time where I was in, in terms of my career. And then, you see, I arrived in Asia at a time, you know, this was in 2009, at a time when we were having the financial crisis in a, in a lot of territories in the world and, and certainly we were feeling that in the UK and arriving into Asia was, was quite refreshing because in fact in Hong Kong they were going through a boom in the infrastructure sector so I was uh, incredibly uh, lucky um, because I got almost immediately to work on some of the world's largest and most complex construction projects which was incredible and perhaps I took it for granted at the time but being there at that time and working on mega projects was was really exciting and I think at one stage in Hong Kong I was down various tunnel shafts or on various tunnel boring machines once a month I mean how lucky is that uh, to, to be right at the coalface of, of those exciting projects so that really opened my eyes up and and I guess forced me to change my thinking in the construction arena in, in that I was a construction professional first and foremost, and my expertise within the construction world was actually insurance, rather than the other way around, where traditionally I would have said I was an insurance professional. Well, that's actually sort of neatly brings me along to the next question, which I was going to ask you, which is, you know, how much of an impact did perhaps being in Asia have on you, and and how you see the job? Are there, are there sort of cultural differences, or um, you know, differences within the sector, perhaps? Uh, that you see over there that have perhaps influenced your perspective now? Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, great question. A absolutely, totally changed my perspective. I think I think working internationally for anybody just forces you to think differently about how you, how you work with other people, how you work with clients, how you approach problems and find solutions. Um, and, you know, you do have to be more acutely aware of various cultural sensitivities you know when I think of Asia as a, a region it, it's made up of a vast array of different cu countries different cultures different ways of working um, and you know a, a one-size-fits-all approach just doesn't work and so it was a great learning curve for me and how to dial up in certain areas and dial down in others and um, and I said you know from a construction perspective the scale and the scope of the projects that were ongoing in that territory at that time um, were, were, were really quite remarkable. 
I'd have to touch on it as well because I, you know, obviously I mentioned it in in my introduction, but you know, you're you're not just perhaps facing that challenge of of being overseas, but also of of being a woman in this area. I mean, tell me what it's like to just to to be a female within the construction sector. I mean, do you face sexism challenges and so on? I um I guess I guess for me personally, I have never seen it as being a barrier. Um, but I think working in Asia was really a, the first deep dive into diversity and and what that actually means in in practice. Because I saw firsthand the value of diversity to the business in Asia. Um, when I think about our management team in our legacy JLT business there, and, and more recently the combined Mars JLT business, we we were and we are very fortunate in that diversity. It's almost not an issue there. You know, we have more senior women in our management teams, you know, more on our historical JLT Hong Kong board, of which I was part of, um, plus our construction teams across the region um, certainly uh, were very diverse. And and by this, I, I don't just mean gender, I mean more broadly in terms of ethnicity, you know, age, of course, gender, um, but all, and also belief. So I actually felt from day one we had a very diverse team and a diverse talent pool, which was really enriching. Um, but obviously, um, you know, being a, a woman has meant that I have had a different perspective on that. But certainly, it, it, I don't feel as though it, it has ever been a, a value to what I do or what I bring to clients. And, and if anything, it's just I, I bring a different perspective to some of the um, some of the you know, challenges that, that we see along the way within the industry. And, and do you meet many women in construction? You know, in, in Hong Kong, we had a very um, tight women in construction network, which was fantastic, actually. And it was a great network to be able to access uh, when I needed. So, so yes, I mean, there, were, there, there was a, a strong pool of, of female talent in, in the industry. Um, you know, there's definitely still a lot of work that can be done to attract more women into construction and, and more broadly into insurance as well. But if I think back, you know, 10 years ago, if I went on a tunneling project, I would often be one of the only women on site, sometimes the only women on site. Um, now I feel if I look 10 years forward, you know, the tide has certainly turned. There are a lot more female engineers on site. You know, there are more project managers that are women. And most importantly, female construction leaders are coming up through the ranks. So for me, these are all very encouraging um, signs. You know, we we ran a, a piece recently at um, Mars JLT on global contractors and insight both internally and externally. And actually, as part of that interview process, you know, many of our uh, clients are women within the construction industry. So so I think that, you know, we have made great leaps and, and bounds in terms of the female pool of talent that, that does exist within the industry. But you know, I have had some I guess some some interesting challenges being a woman, particularly in Asia and the the example I always cite which people find um, quite amusing um, which for me was a small barrier, but nonetheless it was a barrier that I had to kind of navigate myself around, was that in certain parts of, of Asia there are cultural sensitivities with women being on tunneling projects. So 
some engineers on tunnels believe that there is a tunnel goddess um, and in the project actually often you would go down a tunnel and you would see a small statue and there'd be a shrine to her and people would um, lay offerings and have candles and I guess the belief is is that it's considered bad luck to have other women in the tunnel because they believe it might cause a collapse or it might cause the tunnel to cave in. Uh, and some people are incredibly superstitious about this. So so this is a problem for me because I absolutely love being on tunneling projects in particular and I love going on site. Um, so I didn't want this to be a barrier, but at the same time, I, I didn't want to offend any of the workers on site. And I was always very respectful um, and culturally very sensitive to you know different dynamics um, for, for different projects. So I'd have to navigate that. And literally sometimes I would try to hide being a woman under my PPE. You know, I would I'd hide my hair or I'd, I'd walk behind the project managers who would take me on site um, so that I didn't actually look like a woman. Um, and you know, sometimes if workers did see me, they would they would kind of shy away or, or walk away. But I, I never took that personally. Um, and fortunately, I was lucky enough that you know, no tunnel, as, as far as I'm aware of, ever collapsed because of, of me being, being on site. But uh, you know, these are the kind of small cultural issues that I had to always be very cognizant of and you know, I, had to, I had to navigate around. But otherwise, you know, I, I, I didn't see any other barriers personally. That's an incredible story, and uh, um, I guess you know uh, probably for for the the women over here who might be in the the construction insurance industry, I guess probably they're not dealing with the the tunnel goddess issue, but they are probably um, dealing with the issue that you outlined a little bit before that, which was you know that you can be the only woman um, among men on on a construction site, and, and I know everybody's an individual, and everybody will have a different way of coping with that, but you know what was your approach? Well, I guess my approach was just to, um, you know, just to carry on with with what I, I was I was doing. I, I'm I'm a firm believer that, you know, we all have to bring value to what we're doing. You know, I I, you know, we all have challenges. There are always challenges, irrespective of your gender, age, race. You know, we all we all face challenges in our daily working environment. Um, but I guess for me, I always approached it with a good sense of, you know, humour. You know, didn't try try to not sweat the small stuff. Um, and you know, I I think I just completely immersed myself in what my clients were doing, and I, I thrived on being part of those projects. Um, you know, I was really passionate about what the industry was doing. I did lots of talks, and I involved myself in you know lots of associations. Um, and I, I I just never let it a barrier to what I was trying to do. I never let it impede um, the direction that I was I was trying to take. Uh, you know, but I would be remiss if I if I you know tried to paint the perfect picture and you know and say as an industry, you know, we have true diversity uh, within both the construction side and the insurance side um, because you know I think we still, as I said, have a long way long way to go. But you know we have made you know great steps in in the right direction um and i think you know the whole topic of covid is quite interesting as we you know think more positively around how as an industry can we be more flexible you know in certain parts in asia saturday is actually a working day for con construction sites so you know people that work within construction are expected to work on on their weekend if you've got child care issues or, or caring issues at home you know people have elderly parents they have to look after and 
they have responsibilities. That that can be a challenge, you know, the logistics of managing things at home and having the right infrastructure at home to allow you to, to do your your job, you know, there are certain challenges with that. Um, and I think one of the reasons why Asia certainly was um, very successful with its diversity, and, and by that I, I mean when I look at our construction sector and our, our insurance um, sector specifically there, I think it had a lot to do with the access to to uh, caring options, that, that being childcare options or having access to, you know, caring caring responsibilities for elderly parents or family members, which was a lot more accessible and also from a cost perspective a lot more affordable. So that means that women could take on more jobs. You know, I myself had a, a regional job where I was travelling um, at one point a, a lot. Um, and actually, I, I, as a young mother, that's always that's, that's always a, a challenge in itself. But because I had the infrastructure at home and I had access to that, it, it made it a lot easier. You know, being in the UK and, and being in other territories, those childcare and those caring options are not always so readily accessible. And I, I certainly have felt that as I've moved back to a new country as well, um, but that does that. That is that is an issue, and that is a, a logistic that the overall industry needs to uh, address and, and think about. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, you know, the construction insurance area it, itself right now, because I imagine there's been a, a huge impact from COVID nineteen. Um, what what sort of differences have, have you seen over the last sort of six months or so? In terms of construction itself, yeah. In terms of, I guess how it's how it's impacted your job, and, and in terms of you know how, how you're having to to talk to clients and so on, and the issues that they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it it would be fair to say that it's been an unprecedented few months for everybody, um, in, including you know us in the insurance sector and and also the wider construction sector as well. I think the last six months have certainly been the most challenging time for a lot of our, our contractors across the globe. And, you know, the, the pace of change has been extreme, and you know they have had to change the ways that they work almost overnight. Like, like we've had to do as well within our business. Um, you know, we've all had to adapt and find new ways of working and, and servicing clients. But overall, I think it would be fair to say that certainly the construction industry is is an industry that is very resilient. You know, it's used to building new solutions and you know ramping up for new projects, or or in some cases, you know, ramping down, slowing things down. So it's it's got very good uh, experience and a good track record in terms of being adaptable. Um, so I think I think clients and and certainly contractors have have navigated it um, well. Uh, but for all of us, there have been challenges challenges along the way as we effectively live in a, a virtual world at the moment and can, can you give us a little bit of insight i guess into you know how you know a, a, as a brokerage marsh jlt specialty is is kind of um, approaching some of these problems with with uh, with its clients right now because i guess it's not just covid19 is it i mean there are a lot of liquidity channel challenges in the market right now as well yeah exactly uh, i think i think firstly kind of Taking a step back, we, you know, as a business, you know, a lot of it's all about servicing clients. You know, these are challenging times for not just us, but more importantly for our clients. So, 
what can we do to to help them navigate through some of the challenges that they are facing as a, a business? Um, so we we've we've had to adapt, but you know that is first and foremost our top priority. How how can we continue to service our global clients um, given the environmental or the, the challenges in the environment that we are kind of all living through right now? From a contractor uh, contractor perspective, you know, a key takeaway post COVID for, for for the industry is that liquidity and, and cash flow is absolutely key. I think contractors who have entered the pandemic with a strong balance sheet and have a pipeline of work have typically found it easier to navigate the recent turbulence. And I think moving forward, cash will continue to be uh, king and, and freeing up liquidity will also be very relevant. So even before COVID-19 hit, actually, you know, balance sheet and cash management was a, a major topic of consideration for contractors. And I, I suspect that that will continue to be so as we, as we emerge out of, of COVID-19. But I think on the, on the positive side, COVID has plunged the industry overall into the quickest, quickest experiment on flexible working, as I said earlier, which has been a, a success. You know, being able to be more agile and allow people to be more flexible in their working will hopefully, uh, in the long term, attract a larger pool of talent into the industry. So, um, you know, as people become more remote in the ways that they work, being able to design projects and work on projects from remote locations will will surely be more relevant as we as we look ahead. And you mentioned earlier as well about um, Marsh JLT uh, publishing its global contractor strategy. Can you uh, give us a few insights from that? So, so from our global contractor perspective, what we are building out is, is really building on our capabilities globally and, and having a renewed focus on global contractors within the business. If we look at the combination of our Marsh and JLT businesses a, a year post the acquisition, you know we have a fantastic pool of expertise and incredibly talented people across our construction group. So from a global contract, contractor's perspective, for me it's all about harnessing that and bringing value to our contractor clients irrespective of their geographies. And, you know, a big strategic pillar, um, as you well know, is is listening to to our clients. You know, really understanding what are the issues that they are facing. You know, what are the big seismic shifts in their business? How do we partner with them in this changing landscape? Um, and going back to my earlier point, which was, you know, a one size fits all approach just doesn't work within construction. So, how can we, as a industry, and, and by that I mean the, the broking and insurance industry, how can we challenge ourselves to be more agile and think differently and, you know, given the various market challenges that, that do exist right now, you know, we we have to uh, think outside of the box in, in some of the things that we're working on. And, and, and just give us a, a very brief look into the crystal ball, if you can. I know it's very, very difficult to do, but uh, as we head into 2021, obviously there are so many challenges facing the market right now, from COVID to you know the hardening market in general. Um, where do you see things headed? Well, I definitely do not have a, a crystal ball. Um, I wish I'd have had one a year ago. I certainly don't think uh, a global pandemic would have been on anyone's uh, 
number one risk register um, list. But um, but look, I think we all know it's a challenging time across all industries, uh, but more specifically within the insurance industry. You know, there is a there are challenging market headwinds that are that are there. Um, you know, if I look across different territories, there are different um, challenges that re- reside in those places. But again, it's from a contractor's perspective, it, it's all about um, you know preparing ourselves and you know best preparing our, our clients to to enter those headwinds. And um, I think those clients that um, that you know work work in partnership and um, you know adapt and, and use these current challenges to develop and, and change accordingly will weather the storm best and actually you know many of them might emerge stronger okay, but from it. our perspective you know as a broker I think it's more important now more than ever to to help help those clients kind of navigate those challenges be it both within the construction market itself and the dynamics that are going on there um, and within the wider sphere of the um, the, the global um, challenges in terms of the pandemic and, and other challenges that uh, that exist. Yeah, I was going to say you've given us a, a positive note uh, there to kind of wrap things up. But I just want to ask you as well, Kelly, because I know that you know, in addition to being a, a woman in in sort of a, a relatively uh, unique sector, um, you're also a mother of three um, and, and quite small children as well. So how are you juggling it all? <laughs> I don't. I don't think I am juggling it, Paul. Um, I uh, yes. I mean, I. I. You know, my family and I. We we moved back to London in the middle of lockdown, so it's definitely been a um, a, a challenging time having three children, four, three, and and, and one. Um, but for me, I always say it's um, you know it's not about. Uh, I, I never strive to have the perfect balance. I just try to. Um, prioritize from one day to the next what you know what has to be at the top of the tree and, and what what doesn't have to be at the top of my to-do list but uh, but yeah it's not it's not been easy and I, I empathize hugely with lots of parents out there who have had to you know homeschool their you know, children and you know at the same time you know work and, and work remotely you know, it's not been an easy time for anyone but uh, but I, I guess as as you have probably picked up I'm a I'm a glass half full girl as, a, as opposed to a glass half empty and you know I think I think we will look back on this time and you know I'm incredibly grateful that I can you know see my one-year-old um, you know over lunch for example um, and I'm not on a plane every five minutes um, so there are some silver linings but uh, yeah when I get time I, I like to do a bit of running. Um, I haven't managed to um, get back into yoga, but um, I think yeah, my my focus at the moment is trying to get more than six hours sleep of a night. <laughs> and if anybody wants to to reach out to you on the back of this podcast, Kelly, maybe for some more positive vibes, um, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. I mean, I mean, my I think my details are all on on LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm always uh, looking at LinkedIn, so I would welcome and encourage anybody. Um, who wants to have a more broad discussion on construction or construction insurance or contractors to, to do get in touch. Um, I would always always welcome those discussions. So, yeah, please feel free to do that. 
That's brilliant. Kelly, I think you've been fantastic today. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, to everybody who's listening, thank you once again, and we will talk to you next week. I've been Paul Lucas, and this is IB Talk. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.